Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. Good morning, Cross family. Now, as we contemplate Memorial Day weekend, on the East Bank of the Potomac River in Washington, D.C., stands 494 feet of black vertical stone. It is the Vietnam Memorial, and it is a place of somber silence. It reminds us of the price that is paid for democracy, and it also reminds us of the cruel cost of war. Engraved are 58,132 names of American soldiers that are either dead or missing. This memorial will never forget those who fought to preserve our freedom. Between 1965 and 1975, nine million American men and women were in uniform. 1.3 million were involved in combat. 300,000 were wounded. 75,000 were disabled. And more than 58,000 never returned home. And Julie Blair, who's been my secretary for almost 25 years, she knows this all too well because her dad, Frank Roop, never made it home. This past week, even as I contemplate Memorial Day weekend, I've spent time reading last letters And I would encourage you to do that. Just uh, Google last letters that soldiers sent their family. But these letters represented some of the last correspondence and the final words that the soldier would ever share with their family or loved ones. One of the letters I read, even as I was going through this, all these letters from World War I and the Civil War, World War II, Vietnam War, uh, Iraq, you name it. As I was going through all these letters, one of them I read was from a young corporal by the name of Stephen Gill. He was 24 years old, and his hometown was Round Rock, Texas. He arrived in Iraq in March of 2005, and he was killed on July 21st, 2005. He wrote this letter to his family, and he said, if you're reading this, you will know that I am no longer with y'all. I'm in a better place. I've been brought up in a loving Christian family that I thank God for every day. He said, I was taught to fear God and love God, and I rejoice in the knowledge that Jesus Christ paid for all my sins. Then he spent some time writing specifically to his brother, to his mom, and to his dad. And then Stephen concludes with these words, as for the war, We fought a good fight, and I guess it was my time. If anyone should ever ask, what happened to your son? He says, tell them that your son didn't die doing what he loved, but he did die doing what he thought was right. And those words impacted me as I read that last letter from Stephen to his family. I also want to honor uh, a local kid. E.J. Murphy. He graduated from South Gwinnett High School, and he enlisted in the Army in 2013. And E.J. died in May of 2017. Think about it, three years ago. 
He was on a deployment in Syria. EJ, as you read about his life story, he was a passionate young man, and he desired to serve his country. He was married to his high school sweetheart, Martha. They have two sons, Noah and Isaac, and Martha has been watching our worship services online. And let me say this, today, Martha, Isaac, Noah, and to your family, you guys are in our prayers. Today, we pause to remember all those that gave their lives in a fight for freedom this Memorial Day weekend. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for being a loving God, even in the midst of trial, adversity, suffering, pain, and even death. So, Father, I lift up the many that are watching today, Lord, that have heart wounds as a result, Lord, of war. Lord, many, like Julie, like Martha, and many others had loved ones, Father, husbands, dads, Lord, family members, Father, that sacrifice their life in a fight for freedom. So we pray in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your love on those families today. And as we continue, Father, to press into you, I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would be welcomed in every home and every heart now as we continue to dive into your truth. Father, lead us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. Most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. We owe them a debt we can never repay. All we can do is remember them, what they did, and why they had to be brave for us. So guys, we've made our way all the way to John chapter 19. And John 19 includes some of those final words that Jesus spoke from the cross. And if you study these words, they're powerful, impacting, and so life-changing as we contemplate them. Uh, It got me thinking, what would you want your last words to be? I know for me, maybe hearing uh, uh, and being able to share with my family, hey, I fought a good fight. I, I finished the race. It is well with my soul. That, that would be some of the things I would hope that I could echo. What would you want your last words to be? And as I was contemplating even the legacy of last words, I started reading a a variety of articles on famous last words and twisted last words. And as I was reading these, I came across Karl Marx, Marxism. And he is best known, if you will, for the Communist Manifesto. But they said that his last words were, get out of here. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough. 
I was sitting there reading it going, what a painful narrative. He lived with such an anti-Christ and anti-God agenda. And I started thinking, how many people did he influence with his twisted worldview? And then I was reading Joan Crawford, and she was a famous actress. And her last words recorded were, don't you dare ask God to help me. I was like, man, she had fame, she had popularity, but yet, as you study her life, she died in misery. She had gotten caught up into Scientology and other things, and she was estranged from her children. And I started thinking, what a sad, sad legacy she left behind. Some of the most famous last words here in the last 20 years was probably that of Todd Beamer. Todd attended a Christian college, and he had such a beautiful family, and Todd was a young man, but Todd was on United Air Flight 93 that was hijacked on 9-11, and his last audible words were, are you guys ready? Let's roll. And those were reported for days and weeks, and now even as you look back of the tragedy of 9-11, you will see those powerful words from Todd. The most famous last words ever echoed came from the cross. And some 2,000 years ago, our Savior hung suspended between two criminals. Jesus makes seven final statements from the cross. And John 19 records three of those. Jesus would say in John 19, take care of my mom. I thirst. It is finished. So today I want to reflect on those seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. I want to remember, if you will, those famous last words that our Savior echoed from the cross. His first declaration was, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Luke 23 records this, but Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And as I was pondering this, I'm thinking, who was Jesus referring to? Was he referring to those who murdered him? Was it the Roman soldiers? Maybe Pilate? Maybe Caiaphas? Was it the teachers of the law of that day that hated him? Or was it the crowd that cried, crucify him? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They are clueless, and they do not know what they're doing. I can tell you that the cross is the ultimate statement of forgiveness. It is forgiveness for the disciples who turned from Jesus and ran. It is forgiveness for those who had evil hearts that had sentenced Jesus to die on the cross. It was forgiveness for the soldiers who nailed him to the tree. It is forgiveness for every person who is every. Uh, who has ever sinned. That includes everybody and forgiveness for you and forgiveness for me. So who crucified Jesus? I started thinking, I did, you did, they did, but the Father allowed it. If you study scripture, it says it was God's predetermined plan to nail his son to the cross to become redemption for you and I. The old gospel hymn of yesterday posed the question, were you there when they crucified the Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they pierced him in the side? 
Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? And it says, oh, sometimes it makes me tremble, tremble, tremble. But the song closes by posing the question, were you there when he rose up from the dead? Sometimes I feel like shouting, shouting and shouting, were you there? And I can tell you, yes, I was there. Yes, I was there because when Christ was on the cross, I was on his mind and you were on his mind. And I can promise you when he was nailed to that cross as a criminal, he is extending forgiveness to you and to me and into the entire world. He's offering forgiveness. It's been said that if our greatest need had been information that God would have sent an educator and if our greatest need had been technology God would have sent a scientist and if our greatest need had been money God would have sent an economist a banker and if our greatest need had been pleasure God would have sent an entertainer but our greatest need was forgiveness and God sent a savior what a gift but this gift must be personally received. We're told in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we will confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so even the declaration of Father, forgive them, uh, they do not know what they're doing. They're clueless. I would ask you the question, have you received the Lord's forgiveness? Are you walking in the forgiveness of Jesus today? And then you have to ask yourself, am I withholding his forgiveness from anyone in my life? And if so, I would encourage you, get it right. Get it right. Let's receive the forgiveness of the Lord, but then let's release that forgiveness to other people. Then Jesus said, his second statement, today you will be with me in paradise. If you think through the first statement, it embraced all of humanity. But here Jesus focuses on one desperate sinner. Two thieves were being crucified with Christ that day. And one of the thieves repents, yet the other thief rebels. The one that rebels shouted out, if you're truly the Christ, if you really are the Christ, you will save yourself and you will save us. Think about this. That thief looked and said, if, and that was the same word that the devil had used when he tried to tempt Jesus back in the garden. If, if, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. If, if you're the son of God, you can throw yourself down off this temple. God will save you. He'll release angels. If, and when Jesus had launched his public ministry, he was confronted with if. And now he's at the end of his earthly life. And the devil is talking again, but he's talking through a thief. If you're the Christ, save yourself. Save us. If you're really who you say you are, prove yourself, Jesus. Do something. And Jesus ignored him. It was not a matter of if. Jesus knew exactly who he was, but, but one of the thieves repents. And he looks at Jesus and says, would you remember me? 
would you remember me? And as I ponder that statement, and I want you to think about this, no man is beyond the hope of redemption. In those last minutes, Jesus hears, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus promises him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This thief, he confessed his need for Jesus. And he's basically saying, Jesus, save me. I can't save myself. And the cross reminds us today that the worst of all sinners can be saved. Salvation does not depend on being religious or doing good deeds. There was no time left on the clock to perform, but there was time to repent. And as long as you have a breath, you have a prayer. Two thieves crucified with Jesus. One repents, one rebels, and the time of decision came for both. It was now or never and I would encourage you, please do not wait until the last minute to cry out to Jesus. I would ask you, are you living in rebellion or are you living with a repentant heart today? I would encourage you, repent and please confess your need for Jesus. Then we pick up the third statement and it's found here in John 19. And Jesus sees his mom and Jesus says, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, he said, behold your mother. And the scripture says from that hour, the disciple took her into his own house. I want you to think about something. In the midst of Jesus's brutal misery, he had compassion for his mom. Mary had probably been a widow now for a while. We read nothing about Joseph in Scripture after Jesus' visit to the temple when he was 12 years old. And many scholars believe that Joseph had died. Mary is now a middle-aged widow. She's close to 50 years old. And she's at a risk, if you will, in that culture of that time. And she needed to be taken care of. There wasn't much she could do in that culture to earn money. And Jesus knew that she needed someone trustworthy to take care of her. So he said, woman, behold your son. And what he was saying is, John, take care of mama. John, take care of mama. Jesus had other brothers. You can read that in scripture, John 7. But the scripture says they didn't even believe that Jesus was Messiah. They had rejected Jesus, and because of that, most people believe that even his, his half-brothers were not in Jerusalem at the time of crucifixion. So as the oldest son, Jesus had an obligation to provide for his mom. And in the midst of his misery, he extends grace. Think about it. He extends forgiveness. He promises a thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. And now he turns to those who are closest to him the disciple John, and he turns to his mother. John was hurting. His Lord is being murdered. His world is being crushed. But Mary's heart was being shredded. She had raised him. She had fed him. She had been with Jesus his entire earthly life. And I started thinking this is beyond comprehension for a mom. This is beyond comprehension and if you go back and start to contemplate even the life of Mary, 
Her life had never been easy. Ever since the, the day that the angel appeared to her and said, don't be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will call his name Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. I can promise you God loved Mary, and he chose Mary to be the mother of the Savior. But life had never been easy. I mean, you think about it. Mary became pregnant before she was officially married. That was an insult and very much of, a, a, of an embarrassment in that day. She gave birth while traveling and had to cradle her baby in a feeding trough. That was tough. And it was a very, very tough assignment for a 15, 16-year-old girl. You remember she had to flee to Egypt to escape Jesus from being murdered by Herod when he was just an infant? Now, she's having to witness her son being executed as a criminal. And Jesus knew that Mary had suffered greatly. He knew, again, that the assignment that Mary had walked in for these last 33 years was a very, very tough assignment. There was a price to pay when Mary said, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Use me however you want to use me. There was a price. And I believe while Jesus is hanging on the cross, Jesus is heartbroken as he looks at his mom standing there. But she could no longer view him as her son. She had to embrace the fact that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world. And I can promise you, in the hour of his greatest agony, the compassionate heart and the humanity of Jesus is revealed as he looks at his mother, and as he looks at John and says, John, take care of mama. Many scholars believe that when Jesus made that statement that John removed Mary from the scene of crucifixion, she had seen enough, it's time to take her home. But I thought, what a powerful statement. As Jesus was entrusting to John and telling John, I trust you and I'm giving you incredible dignity, take care of my mom. Then Jesus makes such a bold proclamation and probably one of the most heartfelt cries of the cross. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this is interesting. Jesus had told the disciples just a few pages earlier in John 16, he said, all of you are going to desert me. But he said, I will not be alone. My father will be with me. But at the pinnacle of his passion, at the moment of making atonement for the sin of the world, even the father had to step aside. The father had to allow Jesus to bear the sin of the world alone. And I can promise you when you study it, Jesus was literally God forsaken. He was forsaken as all the sin is dumped on him, forsaken. And it got me thinking about the song that we've sung over the years, Amazing Love. And I, I was pondering these lyrics. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me 
because you died and rose again. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Amazing love. I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. In all I do, I honor you. Think about it. The one who was made sin for us was experiencing the punishment for the sinner that day on the cross. All of my sin, all of your sin, all of the sin that humanity would ever commit was dumped on him that day. And he was experiencing for the very first time separation from the Father, God forsaken. And when you study that, it, it, it just, it, it screams to us, my God, my God, it screams to us the cost that Jesus paid for sin. I would encourage you to contemplate that. I would encourage you to contemplate the power of the, the cry from the cross that Jesus has wore and bore our sin debt once and for all. Come to the cross. Then Jesus expresses his humanity. Here again in John 19, he says, I thirst. I thirst. The hours of torture on the cross had taken a toll on the earthly body of Jesus. And execution uh, by crucifixion was not a sudden death. I mean, we live in a society now where there's lethal injections and different things, but crucifixion was a long, drawn-out, lingering process. And Jesus is hung, suspended on this cross under the eastern sun in Jerusalem, and it's draining him. His wounded hands and his feet, they were so inflamed. The spear has gone through his side, and Jesus is hanging there, and his body was so dehydrated. Psalm 22, prophetic psalm says, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My tongue, it sticks to the roof of my mouth. And although Jesus was fully divine, he was God in flesh, he was also fully man. And I can tell you, he felt the excruciating pain of what he was going through that day. I've pondered this so many times over the years, and I can tell you, Jesus, he never complained about the physical torture and about the hours of suffering when they put that crown on his head and they thrust that crown of thorns through his brow, you never see Jesus saying, oh, my head. Or when they beat him with whips, he didn't say, oh, my back. But Jesus cries out at the end of his life, I thirst. I thirst. And personally, I find it very ironic that living water now dies of thirst. He satisfied the most desperate souls with living water, and now his body dehydrated, beaten down. He goes, I thirst. Oh, what a powerful statement, Jesus, because you had dealt with sin once and for all, and you knew that you had accomplished the mission the Father sent you to, to earth to do. 
but now your body is spent and you declare, I thirst. Then Jesus declares what I believe to be the most powerful statement in those seven statements, if you will. And it's captured here in John 19, verse 30. But Jesus cries out, it is finished. It is finished. And the word of that day was tetelestai. And the word tetelestai means to bring it into. It means it is paid. It is accomplished. Better one. And I was like, wow, what a powerful, powerful declaration. Tetelestai. Jesus brought an end once and for all, to our sin and our guilt. Jesus paid the price of our redemption. And you sit there and go, what was finished, Tim? The suffering of Christ and the stronghold that Satan had had on humanity. It is finished. Ah, to Telestai. If you go back and study the culture of that day, to Telestai was used in business to indicate that a bill had been paid in full. They would stamp your bill with tetelestai. It's paid in full. And that is what Jesus Christ is proclaiming from the cross. Paid in full. It is paid in full. Your debt is wiped out. Your Redeemer has paid the price for your redemption. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, you no longer have to be a slave to sin. You no longer have to be a slave to any vice. Not drugs, alcohol, immorality, stealing. To tell us die, your sins are forgiven. Your sins were transferred over to Christ when he hung on the cross, and now all of his righteousness has been transferred to your account. It has been imputed to you to tell us die. It is finished. There is nothing we can do to add to the finished work of the cross. God the Father was completely satisfied with the work of Jesus Christ. And the only thing left for man to do is to receive Jesus and his finished work. I would encourage you, receive Jesus today. Because when Jesus cries out, it is finished. He didn't say, he, he, he didn't say I am finished. He said it is finished. It was a victory cry over sin, death, hell, the grave, you name it, to telestai, finished, accomplished, victory won. I would invite you to step into that today. Father, thank you. I would just cry out. Thank you for thank you for dying a criminal's death. Thank you for taking my sin on you. And thank you that you allowed all my sin to be dumped on you and you have imputed your righteousness to me. I receive Jesus as Lord. I would step into that today. And then Jesus echoes his final statement. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus had come from the Father and he was about to go back to the Father. Father, I'm coming home. It was a moment of trust. It was such a moment of intimacy. Father, Daddy, Abba, the victory's won. I'm coming home. The cross of Jesus Christ is the foundation for our faith, gang. There's forgiveness for you today 
at the cross. There's salvation for you today at the cross. I can promise you it is finished. Tetelestai, Jesus Christ is victorious over sin. Your debt has been wiped out. And I encourage you, receive God's gift of salvation and forgiveness today. The most powerful words ever echoed came from the cross of Jesus Christ. And his forgiveness is available. His, his grace and mercy and love is being extended to you. And my prayer is that on that final day, when you've only got seconds left here on the planet, that you have the peace of Jesus where you can say, Father, into your hands I release and commit my spirit. Father, thank you in Jesus' name for what you're doing. Father, thank you that we've been able to reflect even here today and ponder, Lord, a celebration of remembering with Memorial Day, but we've been able to remember those seven powerful declarations and statements that you made from the cross. Father, I pray for every person watching, even right now in Jesus' name. Lord, if there's people watching that have never repented, never turned from their sin, and never received Jesus, I pray they would do so right now. Just pray. Just say, Father, I come to you as a sinner. I'm in desperate need, and I do pray that you would save me from me. I pray that you would save me to you, Father. I receive Jesus. I receive his forgiveness and salvation. Father, now in the name of, of, of Jesus, because of what he's done, I ask you to pour your Holy Spirit inside of me from head to toe. You promised that you would send the helper. You promised that you would send the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I want God in me. I want the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me, and I want to do everything I can to honor you in freedom. Father, thank you that you didn't say, I've done my part, now you've got to do, uh, go do yours. You just said, it's finished. And so I'm just going to trust it is finished, and I desire to walk in the freedom of Jesus today. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, guys, if you would like more interaction, uh, just regard, in regards to where you're at in your journey today, you can email Dustin at thecrossloganville.org. We would love to be able to walk with you, talk with you, pray with you, and encourage you and help you with those next steps. Let's finish with just an incredible, incredible time of worship as we press into the Lord and give thanks that we're truly, truly forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.